looks like Mystique got stones on X-Men Evolution. Welcome to episode 18 of the Mutant Musings Evolution podcast for the middle of September 2021. I'm Jonathan and with me as always is my hard rock, Patty. Remember to leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. Does listening to us provide some escape from your mundane existence? Yes, but to be fair, so does alcohol. Is your job slowly but surely destroying your will to get out of bed in the morning as you come to the realization that you exist solely to make the rich even richer? Might I again suggest alcohol? Do you long for the good old days of your youth when you had no bills, obligations, and responsibilities? That's it, Jonathan. I'm getting drunk. If listening to us helps you forget about the horrors of being an adult, then remember to leave us a good review. After this bottle of Jack, I'm not even going to remember my name. And speaking of Jack... Jack, our episodes are completely jacked up on bad language. No jacking off here. We're turning the jack on. We're filling your jack ears and jackasses with bad language and innuendo. Bend over and prepare to be jackhammered. Until you're left in a straight jacket. Or gay jacket. Or bi jacket. All jackets are welcome here. Ready to get this jack shaft in motion? Also known as a counter shaft. It's a mechanical design component used to transfer a synchronized rotational force in a machine. A jack shaft is often just a short stub with supporting bearings on the ends and two pulleys, gears or cranks attached to it. I've got a stub for your gear, so let's get to cranking that shaft, Jack. There's your explicit content warning. I know how to Google. I can't believe I said all of those complicated words in a row and you stumbled off. You stumbled over. I've got a stub for your gear. <laughs> I, 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 I don't I need more caffeine. You're so Patty. good at reading. I am not good at reading out loud. Uh-huh. Because I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I just get like tripped up and uh, I don't know where to enunciate. So sometimes the pronunciation is weird. You do such a good job reading the bullshit that I write, though. I feel like I, I uh, left some weird like pauses in there that didn't have to be well i don't know nobody out there is gonna know so it doesn't matter yeah yeah they can't prove it don't worry about it you're fine (laughs) how you doing patty i am alive how are you jonathan what (laughs) (laughs) it is almost comic-con yes i am feeling very stressed i have to work on my costume but it's the first time i'm sewing and i'm very bad at it and what costume you're working on patty it's a surprise Oh, well, I may, I may have told social media. Well, whatever. Then people. it's not a surprise. No, I don't, we don't have to ruin the surprise then. That, it's not fine. a surprise. That's fine. Uh, I just didn't feel like explaining as Polaris' new costume, but that was only a few words, so there you go. Patty's going to be Harley Quinn. Yeah. Because nobody's ever been Harley Quinn before. Um, <laughs> so my mom is helping me sew, but she's been really busy with this church stuff, so I've been really frustrated. It ended up taking me like three hours to sew a sleeve on yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because the machine kept doing weird things and I didn't understand what was happening. Then my bobbin ran out. Then I tried to re-thread the bobbin. And then the the rod that held the bobbin up, it kept turning on there. It and sounds so hot. <laughs> sounds like so you had, I had to unwind that. And oh, yeah. And try to wind the bobbin. But then it kept going under the th- uh, It was a nightmare. I got a bobbin for you. <laughs> Anytime I got up to get a drink or whatever, go to the bathroom or whatever. Uh, my dog was laying like almost right on top of the pedal. And I was like, Raz, <laughs> why are you like this? And I told my mom, I was like, okay, either Raz or the pedal is going to have to move. And she's like, okay, so where are you going to put the pedal? 
<laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to move and me sleeping. So I had to like try to put it like completely on the left side of my body and like have my front facing the sewing machine and turn my body so that my right foot could press the, I felt like I was playing Twister because this dog was sleeping right there. Raz just wants to put the pedal to the metal. He does. Raz is metal as fuck. All right. Uh, so the first episode we're talking about now. Oh, we started season season four. By the way, um, this is season four now. Season three was uh, season three was pretty great. Season three was was heavy. You know, I mean, the whole uh, kids being outed and having to deal with discrimination um, from their peers um, and the real threat of people who want to outlaw their existence. You know, plus then this whole fucking apocalypse thing comes along. So it was a really, season three was really, really great season. Might be my favorite so far. But now we're in season four, and this is the final season for those of you who don't know. So Impact is uh, premiered August 30th, 2003. We see that Apocalypse's vessel lands in Mexico, and it forms some... Apocalypse's vessel sounds like um, it could be something else. Are you talking about the uh, penis lips? Yes. <laughs> His a penis? Is that what we're talking about? What's the vessel? His vessel. What the? What That's do we? His... What do we use vessel as a slang for? Oh, well, I was thinking his dick. Really? Yeah. That's... Like they. I don't know. They say like you know, guys name blank. Like okay, so like apocalypse's member or something, and I feel like apocalypse's vessel. I don't know. Patty, uh, member and vessel are two very different no, but words. Like. I don't like, know. I'm like, trying to make a point, but my brain is stupid. Like, I'm going to put my member in your vessel makes more sense. Okay, so, yeah, but see, I was thinking that, too, vessel. the vessel could, like, is, like, to hold something. So I was thinking right. more the balls than the dick. I don't know how easy it is to fit balls inside a vagina. No, that's not what I'm <laughs> saying. Or or uh, call his vessel. I guess his vessel could be his asshole, then. Asshole lips. What? I'm just trying to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Apocalypse lands his penis in Mexico. Uh, he puts some big energy dome around this this pyramid thing. So so there you go. Apocalypse has landed. And so so in Egypt, some guy wanders across this fucking pyramid, and Gambit comes out and scares him. And this random Egyptian dude seems to know the name Apocalypse. And so you cut to underground. The acolytes are searching for clues, clues for where Apocalypse could have gone. And so Gambit brings this guy to Magneto, and Mastermind looks through his head, but the the Egyptian guy doesn't have any new information. Um, Why are they looking for him? Isn't he in the pyramid? He is, but that hasn't made the news yet. They don't know. Oh, okay. they showed us the viewer, but they haven't showed the rest of the world yet. We got the inside scoop. Oh, okay. yeah. So, uh, but Magneto's just really pissed. Gambit is like, same old story. Apocalypse is going to rule, rule the land. Magneto turns and like grabs Gambit, looks really angry. Like, Not while I'm alive. It's a big fucking. Yeah, he had some uh, big dick energy right here, yeah, as the kids say. It's a big vessel measuring contest. You know what I mean? Uh, so Xavier is trying to look to, and he, he can't trace Apocalypse with Cerebro. Um, but anyway, he thinks that the key to Apocalypse's plan is with the Eye of Ages, and that there's nothing they can do until they find it. Or until, you know, again, the, the news cameras discover this big fucking energy dome in, energy in Mexico. Ball. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Wait, why is he in Mexico, though? Is he like any desert will do? 
I, I, that's a really good question. I don't know, Patty. Why not Mexico? Excuse me. Uh-uh. Why not Mexico, Patty? <laughs> but no. luckily, the kids are still able to be kids. They are playing basketball, uh, which I don't remember ever them ever seeing that in uh, the comics. They always play baseball. It's baseball. But whatever. They're uh, keeping it young and hip because <laughs> the kids like basketball now and skateboarding. So, oh yeah. Speaking of which, I feel like I haven't seen Spike in a while. Yeah, he's with the Morlocks. He's gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bye, Spike. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, the kids are using their powers. Jamie is, like, multiplying. Amara burns the ball. Sunspot kicked it through the blackboard, through the backboard. It was cute. It was cute seeing the kids get to have fun. These kids aren't really involved anyway with uh, all of this uh, apocalypse drama. Yeah, world's ending. It's not our problem. Save the drama for your mama. It's... (laughs) School's out for summer. School's out forever. Mm-hmm. Yep, the kids really connect with Alice Cooper. Yeah, yeah. I, these, I know I did. Kids these days love Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> he oh is my god! All I, the rage. Let me tell you, I was watching Ninety Day Fiance yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Alice Cooper loves Ninety Day Fiance. In fact, sorry, go on. So this was from last Sunday. So it's outdated, and the commercials are outdated. Um. I recorded it, so I usually fast forward past the commercials, but like I was in the middle of something, so I didn't bother. And they had a commercial for the uh, VMAs coming up, which I guess happened already. I think. Um, I didn't whatever. Know I, I don't. I didn't know that still happened. Yeah, I but don't anyway. do that. But anyway, I swear they said these like they said the name of some performers, and they might have said like ten. And I swear to God, I've heard of like two of them. Yeah. And one of them was Justin Bieber. One of them was like Little Nas, and I was like, okay, well, obviously, I know him. I know who Justin Bieber is. He started getting popular when I was, you know, a teenager or whatever. Yeah. And then, like, I'm like, who the fuck are all these people? I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm so old. And then they said, like, performance by the legendary Foo Fighters, and I was like, I'm so old. Oh my god, they're legendary now. Legendary. They, I think, they were recently inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And you, you have to be, have wow. been you have to have been around for like I think I think it's twenty five years oh in my order God. to be yeah yeah wow okay so anyway Rogue is sad and uh, you know Logan Logan is trying to comfort her Logan's a good guy and he's trying to say you know what Apocalypse and Mystique did wasn't your fault Rogue has been through <laughs> way too much for a teenage girl like I mean she was introduced into this show like already goth because she couldn't fucking touch anyone and had to keep her skin covered at all times right but i mean throughout the course of the show she's had she's been manipulated by mystique how many fucking times and then found out that bitch was her mother uh, used her power so many times that she took on the memories and consciousness of all these other people that were wrestling in her fucking head and uh and i just feel so fucking bad for her and uh, and then this happened you know mystique's latest plot that involved rogue got apocalypse this insanely powerful mutant unleashed onto the world and yeah she's depressed her mother yet again fucking manipulated her and rogue is mad that mystique is even being kept on the grounds you know mystique, yeah, because she's a statue now she's a statue yeah she's stuck in that form but logan says you know well no one could help her so xavier gave her to the brotherhood and rogue is just like good good riddance and so he cuts the brotherhood house and they're having oh my fun. god, it's so good. <laughs> I saw this scene and I was like, oh my god, I want to be part of the Brotherhood. Oh my god, Patty. 
it was hilarious toad toad i had her like was dressing her up like playing like dress up with her and put like a dress on her and was like spinning around and dancing with her and blob said he's gonna strap her to the roof like a gargoyle and toad said hey i reserved her for 230 <laughs> it was so funny and then uh quicksilver put her in a closet and uh was like hiding and telling the guys to shush and avalanche opened the closet and she like fell on <laughs> i lost my shit that was hilarious and uh yeah, I feel really bad for Rogue. She had, like, I know, um, I was, like, just talking about this, like, on my personal accounts the other day about how, like, words have actual meaning and, like, people overusing certain words kind of takes the meaning away from them. Like, uh, like, gaslighting, I feel like that's overused. I feel like, uh, trauma, um, trigger. I mean, look at, like, what, happened to the word trigger it's become like a joke and now everything that ever happens bad to somebody is trauma or it's not i'm sad i'm depressed and it's not i have a headache it's i have a migraine like sometimes you don't need to use such extreme language that mean other things but i digress and rogue absolutely went through some trauma here yes yes rogue has she been- was like constantly getting her mind messed with and just manipulated by her own mother yeah into doing these things and like mystique didn't know what was going to happen to rogue when she like sent her off to get apocalypse you know because obviously mystique didn't know what was going to happen to herself she didn't know she was going to turn into a statue and she was willing to use her daughter just because she thought well i have to be on the winning side yeah like, oh, so fucked up. I, I totally understand that she wants nothing to do with Mystique at this point. And I think it's healthy for her to not want to be in the same, you know, house as her, even if she's basically comatose right now. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, seeing her being around her, even as a statue, that's sort of like reliving that trauma. Yeah. Um, so it's like, well, why the fuck do they want to help Mystique? This woman has hurt me so much and just, you know, I mean, endangered the entire world with what she did. Why would they yeah. want to help her? So I get her. I mean, you want to talk about feelings. triggers. Yeah. You know, just being around somebody, just seeing the person who did all of this right. shit to you. Right. Um, and knowing that, like, the people taking care of you are trying to potentially help this person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that hurts. So I'm very happy that Mystique is is gone from there. And my heart absolutely fucking breaks for Rogue, but... Kurt shows up and makes everything worse. (laughs) He teleports in, complaining to Rogue that uh, Professor X gave Mystique to the Brotherhood, which I don't really understand why he did. It's not like they're scientists or can figure out how to help her or anything. They're just going to keep fucking with her dead body. (laughs) Yeah, but at the... You know, I mean, she was sort of their quote-unquote guardian for a while. But they don't like him or her either. Yeah, yeah. But um, I I guess he must have just asked and they were like, yeah, sure, why the fuck not? So, Um, uh, Rogue said that she doesn't belong there anyway. And, like, why would he care if uh, she being Mystique? And why would he care if Mystique was there? And he said it makes him feel better. And he was going on about, like, Oh, well, you know, she was a bad person and she let anger consume her, but I'm not going to let that happen to me and I'm going to be the better person. I'm like, yeah, okay, 
that's great, but that doesn't mean that you have to accept your abuser and it doesn't mean you have to help your abuser and it doesn't mean that you have to help unpetrify your abuser so she can actively <laughs> abuse you again. And like the fact that he was like guilting Rogue into trying to feel bad for a mistake, like why? Well, it was so <laughs> fucked up. Well, so he- here's the thing. Um, there There are two points there. One is that Kurt didn't personally suffer the same abuse and manipulation that Rogue did. He doesn't know firsthand the way... Oh, right. He wasn't thrown off a waterfall in this one. (laughs) And he doesn't remember. No, but my my point is, is Mystique didn't manipulate Kurt the way that she manipulated Rogue. So he doesn't have that firsthand experience. And I feel like two people who were raised by different people and raised by different families can have two different... Very like two two very different reactions to wanting to know where they came from, right? One of them is I want to know more about where I came from. I want to meet the person who you know had um, you know at least a, a part in my birth. Obviously, Mystique had everything to do with the birth, but we're we're talking about a parent here, right? And then Rogue is is the opposite way, and it's it's more understandable with Rogue because she's been manipulated and she's been traumatized by this woman. But the other response is no, fuck that person, fuck them. They gave me up. I don't want to know about them. Uh, and I mean, from like my own experience, like both my parents were were adopted. Um, and neither, so are you? Yeah, and and technically, so was I. Now, my my parents weren't abused or traumatized by their biological parents, um, or even by their adopted parents. But you know, they got to a point where they wanted to know more about where they came from. And when I was younger, I I for a while sort of resented even my father because my father wasn't a part of my life growing up. My parents were were teenagers when I was born and my dad didn't really want anything to do with me because he was still a kid himself and uh, just couldn't deal with that responsibility. So I resented him. To, To me, that was emotionally traumatizing. Having like knowing that there's this person out there who's your father and who wants like nothing to do with you. Years have gone by and I've come to terms with it. But but when I was younger, I, I very much resented him, hated him. I, I blame so much on him for the way that I was, uh, trust issues and, and shit like that. And so I actively, you know, loathe him for for many years. So I kind of understand both points there. Now we're talking about the show. It's fictional. And also, again, you know, Rogue was was uh, manipulated in, in ways that I wasn't. But I'm just I'm, I'm pointing out that, you know, there's sort of um, uh, a reflection to real life in, in their responses. Um, yeah, I, I understand that. And I understand Kurt, you know, I don't think that he's wrong in the way that he's feeling because that's how he feels. And that's, you know, that's acceptable because, you know, you can't, there's no wrong way to feel, I guess. But pushing it onto Rogue is where it's fucked up and saying, you need to feel like I do. You need to forgive her. You need to X. You need to Y. So here's the thing. And that's that's a really good segue to my second point. My second point is is you're you're right. So Rogue absolutely deserves to feel the way like like it's not wrong that she feels the way she does. She she should feel her feelings and she needs to work through them. But that's just the thing. She does need to work through them. That anger and that sort of resentment that she has towards Mystique, it's not gonna do a damn thing to Mystique. It's not gonna do anything to that woman. Even if she stays stone forever, which I'm not gonna spoil anything for you, I don't know if she does. Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. But it's not going to do anything to that woman. It's going to consume Rogue. It's going to consume Rogue. It's going to keep her 
living in the past, reliving that trauma and taking it out on other people. Now, again, I'm not saying that her feelings, her responses are wrong. I'm saying like, um, I I hope she works through that with, with friends, with her found family, with professionals, because I do know firsthand how that shit, uh, spills over to other relationships and other aspects of your life. As I was just saying, I spent years just angry and resentful at my dad. And that sort of, those sort of feelings led me into bad places. It led me to do bad things. And there were plenty of times where it did consume me, um, where, you know, the, the thought of him angered me. Uh, we got into, you know, even there were times when I saw him when I was in my late teens, early twenties, and we got into some verbal fucking fights because of it. Um, those negative feelings, like that's not something that you really want to hold on to forever. And, and again, there are different levels of trauma. There are different situations. My dad didn't physically abuse me. He didn't sexually abuse me. Like none of like, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a perfect analogy comparing like my dad to mystique, but, but still I can understand rogues feelings. And I do understand, even if I'm not expressing it perfectly, that letting that sort of anger and those those feelings consume you it's 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 bad it's it's going to it can really fuck up your life no i understand what you're saying i think it's really telling how i said kurt's not wrong for how he feels but right. and you said rogue's not bad for how she feels so like i'm totally with rogue on this sure i know people who grew up with abusive parents or narcissistic parents or uh, borderline parents who are now completely no contact with that parent. Sure. Um, and completely cut them out of their lives. And that's what I, I mean, if that's what Rogue wants to do, I totally support her in the situation. But yep. what I say is, and I, I think she does need to get over some of that anger and hatred that she has towards Mystique. But I think that Kurt just trying to push her and push her to do all these things to like, not just forgive her, but like, you have to be the better person. We have to help like unpetrify her and we have to like get her back into our lives. And we, you know, like all that stuff, like, no, I'm not about it. Sure. There's a disconnect between the way the two of them are are handling this situation. And it sort of makes sense because they're teenagers, you know, like I couldn't have this kind of discussion that we're having right now when I was 16 years old, (laughs) I could not, (laughs) like you couldn't have told me anything. So I think, you know, like, yeah, it's it's not right that Kurt is trying to tell her, like, you need to, you know, she's our mother. She's our, And she he said that a couple of times. Well, she's yeah. our mother. Yeah, that and doesn't mean anything. It, it, it doesn't. Sorry about it. But I get what where they're coming from. And I, I get that sort of misunderstanding there because they're both feeling they're both feeling very differently about this situation. But I understand where both of them are coming from. And I think that for teenagers, this is an accurate representation of how they're going to how they're going to express these feelings. So this is actually really deep. And this is actually really interesting seeing the the two of them. I don't fault either one of them, but obviously I I do agree with you, at least to a degree that Kurt trying to say these things to her and push it on her um, is not quite right. But at the same time, it's a 20 minute episode. (laughs) So you can only accomplish so much for this plot point. So, so anyway, so um, Kurt, you know, does find out that uh, petrified mystique is at the brotherhood house he sneaks in and he's about to, to grab her when, you know, Wanda shows up and is going to attack. And Kurt is like, this is my mom. And Wanda just drops her hands and, and walks away. And I thought that was nice that there was a little bit of understanding there. And Kurt even overheard 
uh, Wanda suggesting to the Brotherhood guys that they take the petrified body to Agatha Harkness, that maybe she could help Mystique. So, was she introduced in the show and I forgot? Yeah, she was. Um, I, it was the same episode, I think, that Wanda oh, was introduced. Oh, was that the one that I thought was Destiny? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, the Acolytes are still searching for clues about Apocalypse, and Magneto is getting annoyed uh, with Colossus. Uh, Magneto yells at him, like, I told you to check in every 30 minutes. If you ever want to see your family again, you'll find answers. And so Colossus grabs Magneto, and of course, Magneto uh, throws Colossus up against the wall because Colossus is in his armored form, and Colossus is pissed. And this is the first we heard about this, too. We just assumed that these guys were uh, on Magneto's team of their own volition. There was a very, very small clue a while ago, uh, early on in Season 3, when Colossus went after Wolverine to try to recruit him to the Acolytes. And Wolverine knew something was up and said, what's he got on you? And just Colossus had that sad look on his face and was like, enough. So, I mean, you know, again, it's a a throwaway line, but it meant something. But Magneto was like, I will crush you like a can. And so Colossus uh, goes back to his his flesh form and is like, you'll fight me without the aid of magnetism. Let's see how well you fight like a man. I thought that was amazing. That was fucking amazing. That was was like (laughs) balls of steel energy there. Yeah. But Gambit gets in between. And he says to Colossus, we got one bad mutant out there, and Magneto is our best chance at bringing him down. Um, that was a really tense and badass moment. Yeah. And and uh, Gambit is uh, probably onto something here. You know, uh, Magneto... I mean, in any X-Men universe, uh, Xavier and Magneto are usually the strongest mutants around. So I guess in every universe, I mean, it's always, like, implied that Xavier and Magneto are, like, a... Uh, the daddies of <laughs> mutant dumb. So if you got any questions, you go to daddy, you're on one of daddy's teams. <laughs> daddy is the leader. So, you know, so basically Xavier and Magneto can like, you know, take care of everything. Yeah. So, so we got to We got to listen to daddy. We got to trust daddy. Daddy is going to save us from this guy. Granddaddy. Granddaddy. Granddaddy Apocalypse. (laughs) Until Granddaddy Apocalypse shows up. Silver Fox, meow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so there's, you know, Kurt Kurt teleports... Mystique statue. Mystique statue into the, the Institute, and Rogue sees it, and they have another confrontation. But the thing is, is, you know, after their confrontation and Rogue leaves, Kurt turns around and sees that there are what look like tears coming from Mystique's eyes. Sad, sad. Yeah, but Beast and Xavier check it, and they conclude that it's just condensation, and and Kurt doesn't. It was because uh, Rogue is just yelling about how bad of a mom that Mystique was, and that she was just a piece of shit and stuff, and yeah. then she started quote unquote crying. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. He asked um Xavier because he's like, oh well, you were never really able to read her minds before because of her powers. Maybe that's what it is now. And Xavier was like, no, it's different now somehow. But she's <laughs> definitely not in there. But Kurt doesn't believe it. But now, so so now the world knows uh about this dome, right? The ball. Some the what? <laughs> the big black ball. The big bl- oh, Patty. <laughs> All right. It's only uh, one big black ball. 
So some humans uh, stumbled on the dome, and so now it's on TV. Why are so- you calling it that? The dome? Because you, you want to talk about balls? Yes. You want to talk about apocalypse balls? You have to call it the big black ball. Yeah, I'm not calling it the big black ball, Patty. <sighs> you never listen to me. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, so the X-Men and the Acolytes all, all see this on TV, and um, so Xavier takes the team to go with them, and this was a really, really great line Stupid. from Scott. That he said that they should have brought Storm and Iceman along. Which, yes, yes, they should have. You mean the strongest ones that we have? <laughs> That'd be stupid. I know, right? All the Acolytes are are upset with Magneto uh, for going by himself. And so this is an interesting contrast to the egos on the two of these idiots. Because, you know, Xavier, as a good guy, left Storm and Iceman behind. And Magneto left his Acolytes behind. He just goes off by himself. So the X-Men are, are just there to try to get readings and information. Gene and Which Ex- still, why would you not take Storm? <laughs> or Iceman, why would you take Beast with you? Or it's not like- wasn't- Oh yeah, Beast was there. And Wolverine. Like, what the fuck does Wolverine know about taking readings? He can smell things. <laughs> I mean, what are Storm and okay, Iceman so going to do? Was- Read the moisture around the dome? <laughs> okay, so what was it? it How was- sweaty are those balls, Patty? Thank I'm you. sorry, ball. Uh, so it was Gene, Kitty, Beast, Scott, and Wolverine, and Xavier. Yeah. And, like, okay, so what I'm saying is that these kids are all in high school. Sure, Scott and Gene might be seniors. They graduated, Patty. Okay. Oh, right, right, they did graduate. Um, I assume, based on Storm's age and the fact that this is America-centric, that Storm has a, a college degree? Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't assume that Logan does. At his age, but I assume at that... At the age of 100 and something? Yeah, he yes, probably he probably doesn't, but I'm sure Storm does. <laughs> yeah. She's always, like, very fancy and formal and stuff, so <laughs> uh, she's wearing, like, you know, I feel like she's worn suits and stuff before in this show, so I'm sure she's, like, a well-educated lady, so why not bring her instead of, like, Wolverine? Yeah, I don't like, know. Like, what the fuck does he know about energy reading? It's just because Wolverine has to be everywhere. Well, so... You know, it's all about Wolverine. It's the Wolverine show. If something bad happens, they can throw Wolverine in the way. You know, you know what I mean. Was Wolverine there? I don't even remember him. Yes, he was. All right, fine. But but he they can throw him. The machine like broke and he growled at it. Oh, okay, that makes sense. See, there you go. There's his moment. (laughs) That's how you know something is wrong. If he starts growling at it, you know it's bad. But yeah, they they took the youngest one there, Kitty, and they put some gloves on her, and they're like, here, put this gun in the ball. And then it exploded. Yeah, the and gun that she the, the reading it, thing that she was holding exploded. And so Scott Scott wants to try blasting at it, and Xavier's like, "No, we must avoid any act of aggression." And Jean's like, "You mean like that?" And Boom, so there it is. A big fucking metal ball comes flying and in. There's our second ball. Oh Jesus! Christ. Together they make a full set. <laughs> Magneto flies way up in the air. This was a- a- amazing. Just visually, I, I loved it. The ball flies way up in the air. Magneto emerges from it, and then he shoots it down real hard and fast um, at the dome. It hits the dome. Uh, there are a bunch of humans around, soldiers, military. Uh, Magneto starts lifting the tanks and launching them at the dome. While the people are still in them. He pulls down satellites and launches them at the dome. And so, finally, Apocalypse very calmly floats My up. cable. <laughs> he floats up in the air. And Magneto sends a satellite at him, and Apocalypse turns it around, and Magneto barely dodges it in time. Apocalypse takes telekinetic control of Magneto, multicolored stuff swirls around him, and then he's gone. 
And then Apocalypse slowly descends back into the dome as everybody, like the X-Men and people, are just, their jaws hanging open. That was crazy. That's crazy. Okay, so here's the thing. I have had direct TV since I was like 10. Okay, so until a few years ago, uh, it was really annoying anytime there were storms and not even like giant tropical storms, but anytime it was like raining. Yeah. We would lose the signal. And it, it 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 made me so mad. I feel like they fixed that recently. But even I would like, they gave us this like special new little one, like receiver for all of our TVs. And it was cute. And they gave us new remotes that had like a DVR and like internet, whatever. And so it was really cool. So um, I would like you know, record like the whole season of like drag race or whatever in case it was like too late and I couldn't watch it or whatever. And I would like go to watch it and it would have been raining that day and I didn't oh. remember. And like the whole thing was like useless. Oh no. That's I was awful. so mad. But um, I feel like it's been better recently and that doesn't really happen anymore. But anyway, how mad would I have been if I couldn't watch my, my stories because Magneto is throwing my fucking satellite around? But see, that's why they didn't bring Storm. Because if she made it rain or lightning or something, <laughs> that would have fucked with Apocalypse's direct TV. Apocalypse wouldn't have been able to watch Drag Race. True. And he would have been mad. No, no act of aggression. That's what Xavier said. That's why Storm didn't come. He's got, like, oh my gosh, so many seasons to catch up on if you include Drag U and all of the spinoff shows, the all the different countries that there are now. So Agatha meets kurt um by what do you it, it's like a gazebo yeah it's a gazebo. yeah a gazebo to check mystique and agatha like you know looks at the mystique stone and is like you know i can't help but she can and it's rogue rogue showed up too agatha says if rogue absorbs the stone just a little mystine can kick in her own power and she'll be free and rogue doesn't want to do it good good and for her kurt tries to convince her and then it looks like she's gonna do it like she goes to reach out and touch it but then Rogue pushes Mystique off the cliff that's right there. The gazebo is on a cliff, pushes it off, and, you know, you get these shocked faces from Kurt and Agatha. Kurt, slow motion, yells no, and the Mystique statue hits the ground and breaks into pieces, and Kurt teleports down there and starts crying, and Rogue starts crying and walks away, and there's sad music, and, you know, like... This was just... Oh, chef's kiss. <laughs> chef's kiss. Good job, bro. God, my, my heart broke for both of them. Why? It, it did. Because what we just talked about. Jonathan, like, I don't understand. Ten... Fuck, fuck that bitch. <laughs> I, I hate what I'm saying. It's not about, mis- listen, I'm not sad like that Mystique might have gotten an ouchie from breaking <laughs> into pieces. My heart breaks for both Kurt and Rogue. That's yeah. why. We, ju- we talked about it for like 10 minutes. Like no, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Thanks, Patty. Um, but this is, uh, <laughs> this is similar to something that happens with Dr. Stone because, forgive me, because I watched it earlier this year and I don't remember anybody's names. So a uh, big hair boy, he's the first one to get out. And he tried, he, he's like, okay, I'm going to have to fix the world and, and bring back science. And then he, he finds his like high school friends and he manages to unpatrify him. And then they're like, okay, we have to be like really smart about who we're going to unpetrify first and why. And because they have this like bowl kind of thing, collecting like this bat fluid. I don't know. I forget how it works. 
but they they need to like throw this on on the stones of people. Everybody is like petrified. So he like tries to throw it on people and that like kind of unpetrifies them. But some of the people have like cracks on them. So it was just like the two of them and the big haired boy was like the brains and you know his high school friend was like the brawn. Um but they needed somebody who was like brawnier, I guess. So he finds the frozen body of this guy, they called him like the high school Tarzan or something like that. He was like, okay, yeah, I'll help you. But then he was like, certain people shouldn't get revived. And it should only be kids and no adults should be here because capitalism is bad and ruins my life and killed my parents or whatever. And so he just like went around smashing statues of like uh, his landlord and like other adults who like fucked him up so that if they threw that thing on them and and big haired boy did try it with a bird that like got cracked in half like they won't come back so he basically killed them so if so by by breaking the statues he effectively killed them gotcha but then he was like well i won't spoil the whole show you should you guys should watch it it's uh (laughs) it's it's better when you like actually know their names and you see it and it's not just me talking about them and forgetting (laughs) all of the details (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember what you were talking about at first until you got to until you got to that point where everybody was was stone breaking and killing them. And I, I remember you telling me about that. Now, that's, yeah, that's that's super interesting. That's kind of scary though when you think about it. I mean, it's like not far off from like eugenics. Like yeah. you're deciding who gets to live and therefore you know breed, and then you're deciding who gets to die. That's a lot of power, and that's really scary. Yes, you guys should watch the show. No, you should I, watch it too. It's really good. No, it's an that's 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 an interesting premise. Definitely. So, so yeah, I mean, I feel like we already discussed like the heaviest moments in the show. Um, but I just, I, I think it was really interesting that the way that they decided to to handle this and made it very serious, very serious feelings coming up from both Kurt and Rogue. And um, again, Rogue is not wrong for feeling the way that she felt. I understand why she did what she did and her trauma is going, she's going to deal with it and get over it in her own time. Nobody else's. Um, but, yeah, girlfriend. but it was wild that that happened um, at the end that she just pushed her off and, and broke her and, you know, it's effectively, effectively killing her. Right. So, so. Well, it's not like Mystique never tried to throw either of them yeah, right? down cliffs. Seriously. So, yeah, but uh, it was also interesting. We don't know what Apocalypse's plan is yet, but he's got himself a base. People know of him now. The whole world knows of him now. Um, and we see what kind of power he has as if the, the season finale, uh, season three wasn't enough where he just, you know, like clapped his hand and took out the X-Men and the Acolytes at one time. Now he's just fucking disintegrated Magneto. That's pretty fucking scary. So this was really, really interesting way to start off the final season. Yeah. Especially since like this whole show, they've been trying to push the idea that Magneto is like the strongest meeting around. And, like, you don't fuck with Magneto yeah. and all this stuff. It's, like, really dangerous. He's, like, so powerful and he could kill all of you and, like, a snap of his face. And then you see, like, what, <laughs> you know, Apocalypse does to him. It's, like, uh, fucking making Magneto, like, the strongest mutant be, like, a little with David and Goliath kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. 
So, did you think Quicksilver putting Mystique in a closet was funny? No. Marvel kept her in the closet for decades. Do you think Kitty really needed gloves? Always keep your kitty safe by using protection. Don't cry over spilt Mystique, folks. We'll be right back after the commercial break. Hey, kid. Come here. You like getting, you know, geeky? Kid? I'm I'm 40 years old. Also, everyone in this mall can see you sitting in this garbage can. You're not doing a very good job of hiding. Shh! Don't draw attention. Mall security guards are like freaking ninjas. Here, take this. You'll thank me later. Your phone? Oh, hey! I love podcasts. And it looks like this website, geekade.com, has a whole bunch of podcasts about different geeky topics. That's right. Get your fix of podcasts about video games, Transformers, and TV shows on geekade.com. Oh, and Geekade even has YouTube and Twitch channels. This will keep my geek going for hours. Hey, keep it down. What are you, some kind of knock? Wow, there's even an archive of articles about comic books, anime, movies, and wrestling. All right, all right. That's enough of a taste. Now go tell all your friends about Geekade.com. I mean, I definitely will, but are you okay? Are you on drugs? What a weird question to ask. Of course I don't do drugs. I just rub horse medicine on my genitals. Keeps me looking like a stud. Fuck you, Joe Rogan. Check out geekade.com today. All right, next episode we're talking about is No Good Deed. This was the best episode, and I really am surprised (laughs) that it was not one of the ones that we talked about when people got to vote on it, because the episode was so good. (laughs) I... I, I can't say enough how good this episode was. Honestly, show us less of the apocalypse bullshit. I just want oh God. this kind of content. Like, <laughs> the whole, like, slice of life episodes from any of the, from the, you know, the X-Men stuff. Like, even the comics. Like, I want just, like, a slice of life X-Men comic. Because, like, their interactions are way more interesting, like, than the actual fighting and shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want them to win and, you know, whatever. But, like, I don't know. I always feel like it's more interesting just seeing them, like, going around doing normal shit. Yeah. Whatever. So this this episode is about the Brotherhood. And as I said last episode, I really want to join the Brotherhood. <laughs> and this episode just really cemented that for me. Wow. But, I don't know if we had the same takeaways from this episode. Oh, Okay. <laughs> But it was a lot better when the Brotherhood had Boom Boom on it. I feel like we haven't seen Boom Boom in a minute, and I'm really mad about it. Yeah, Because she's my favorite in the show. Yeah, so the Brotherhood is all on the subway. They're taking the subway. Wanda and Pietro see this guy reading a newspaper and uh, about what happened to Magneto, and uh, Pietro was, like, trying to, you know, make Wanda feel better and just, like, shit-talk Magneto, and he was like, he was just a bully who went after a bigger bully. And Wanda's like, don't talk like that. He was trying to save us, and the X-Men didn't lift a finger. So he, like, speeds and gets the newspaper and, like, crumples it up and throws it. She gets mad at Pietro, and then he starts to remind her, like, what an abusive piece of shit that he was, that he, like, left her in the hospital, and you never liked him anyway, and why do you care? And then her power just goes off, and she's not really in control. So at first, she just, like, bends, uh, what is it called? The the bar that you hold in the subway? I forget what it's called. At first, she just kind of, like, warps that, and she just like gets more mad and starts like warping the subway tracks so the subway is just like really bumpy and just like going 
along this like really like zigzaggy track that's supposed to be straight and like it eventually just like comes to a crash yeah so the subway is stuck gene and scott are driving and they see like some smoke coming up and they're like what is that a fire and so the brotherhood is all like freaking out that they're stuck pietro tells blob to make a door so he just goes like barreling through all the subway cars just like breaking down the doors in between the cars and eventually opens one of the the you know shut doors and then lance is like coming along telling everybody to follow and you know because it's the brotherhood toad (laughs) toad saw a wallet on the floor (laughs) and he was like oh nice a reward and uh he goes to pick it up and there's this old guy is like on the floor and he's like freaking out and he's like trying to grab Toad, and <laughs> which clearly it was this guy's wallet. And uh, Toad hops away with this guy on his back, <laughs> which was so funny. And he was like the whole time, like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick you off. What do you think you're doing?" <laughs> then there was this woman in a wheelchair who got knocked out of her wheelchair, like laying on the floor, asking for somebody to help. Yeah, and everybody's just running by. Yeah, everybody's running by. Uh, Lance kind of like looks down at her and like looks at the exit kind of like, uh, what should I do? Yeah. Like, do I really want to help this lady? Do I want to bother? Of course he does. Of course he does. He's, we all know that Lance is a good, a good boy. And he sees that there were like, I forgot there were like cables or something like all like electrified and stuff. And he was like, oh my God, this place is going to blow. So all of the Brotherhood except for Lance is outside of the subway on the street level. And the firefighters who were there were like, oh, is anybody else left? And they're like, only two. And the firefighter was like, go get back. It's going to blow. And then uh, we we see Lance and he is carrying a lady. So that was a little, <laughs> a little tension to see. Oh, is he going to see the disabled lady? Of course. Like, of course he is. Yeah. Even if that was like, you know. Even Magneto carried his uh his wheelchair friend. <laughs> uh yeah, and immediately, you know, because there there's explosions, a lot of noise, a lot of people running, the, the media is there. And you know, the X-Men were gonna try to come and help. Kitty had told Scott and Gene, like, you know, the subway crashed and the X-Men arrived just in time to see the Brotherhood as as heroes. Yeah, exiting the the th- they would have been too late. Yeah. So it's honestly really good that the Brotherhood was there, even though they caused the accident in the first place. Yeah, which is why they were there, because they caused yes, the accident. Exactly. <laughs> but nobody knows that. Nobody no, knows that. No. Except for them. And <laughs> when when I saw Lance carrying that lady outside of the subway, I was just like, heart eyes, Lance. <laughs> He's such a good boy. <laughs> He's so dreamy. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, no, I just love him. He's so cute. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He he's he's great in this show. Um, he hasn't had too many moments in, in a little while. I I feel like, but this but this that was that was great for him. Also, I really like that this episode was just kind of like a break from everything, just to like what's it called, like a palate cleanser kind of thing. I so okay. I I, I agree. So we've had the apocalypse thing for three episodes in a row now. Yeah, but this is like technically. Even though uh, the end of season three... Strange placement. It is. The end of season three and the beginning of season four, they all like float into each other. Technically, yeah. technically, this is only the second episode of season four, though. So it is sort of a, a weird placement. But but it was kind of nice. Three straight episodes of dealing with the apocalypse and getting that whole thing going. 
And now we have now we have this. It was it was kind of weird, but this was a great episode. But like I said, I'm also biased because these kinds of episodes are my favorite. No, it was it was absolutely great. So you have um, former principal Edward Kelly uh, running for for mayor now on an anti mutant platform, and he's got fucking TV ads going uh, with his voice. Mutants are moving through freely through our city and, and our schools. We need registration on every one of them. And it's it's funny the timing, not like well, sort of haha funny, but also morbid funny. That breaking that news my just went away. No, that the breaking news story oh. is the, about mutant bravery saving the people in the in the subway. And yes, obviously, so good. Obviously, it's his PR woman standing right next to him, and is like, "Oh, you may want to consider changing your platform on mutants." And Kelly just goes, "No, we just need to change the public's thinking." Uh, and is, also, like, he used to be the principal, so he knows that the Brotherhood are, like, the bad ones. Yeah. He knows the X-Men are the good ones. No, he still doesn't consider them the good ones. Well, not the good ones, but, like, comparatively, maybe, they at least save people. Like, okay. I mean, yeah, okay. So, so, so here's the thing, though. Think about that. Kitty Pride saved his life. Yeah. In that one episode where Jean was making the speech at the school at the end yeah. to let the X-Men in. She saved his life. And this man is still running for mayor and putting out ads that all mutants need to be registered. Okay. Do you know how many times Spider-Man saved JJJ? Yeah. So many times. <laughs> I, I know. But it's 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 just like so frustrating. Like, what do you have to do? Yeah. You know, and and like it's like there could be like a gay firefighter or something pulls you out of the house and they all just be like, Oh, you know, I appreciate what you did, but I still don't approve of you. Yeah. I, I get exactly. Like, what the fuck more do you want? You're, you're 100% right. My, so the only difference there though is J Jonah Jameson, uh, just considers Spider-Man. I mean, probably other people, but mainly Spider-Man as a menace, right? Yeah. Kelly is talking about an entire group of people, no, an I entire know. minority. I know. Um, I get, I get what you're saying though. But so now, so now it's, you know, it's all over the news. It's in the headlines. Kitty and Scott are really annoyed uh, that the Brotherhood are getting praise. And Xavier's like, oh, let's appreciate the change in public sentiment towards mutants. And let's hope um, that they appreciate the benefits of being the good guys and stay out of trouble. And it's, you know, it's, it's. The Brotherhood. Foreshadowing. Are the good guys. Yeah. The brother good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Jonathan said to me today. They're so and brother good. I <laughs> love that so much. The brother good of good mutants. Um, I'm sure they're going to stay out of trouble. Absolutely. That's how this episode is going to end with them staying out of trouble. Uh, yeah. So then the news, the news <laughs> shows up outside of the Brotherhood house and they're all like, what, what, what? Uh, Wanda doesn't want to talk to them because she knows that she's guilty. She's the one that made the the subway de- derail. And Pietro's like, come on, nobody knows that it was you. Like, they want to see the girl on the team. That's called brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> they want to know. And uh, so the handicapped lady, who is uh, the one that Lance rescued, uh, she wants to see Lance. And she gave him and the brotherhood $10,000 a check for $10,000 and it turns out that her family owns the largest construction company in town so they're gonna <laughs> fix the house up for them which is like so crazy and also I'm just like 
But now there are like adults who know that there are these just random five children living together in one house, like five teenagers without parental supervision. Like (laughs) nobody's questioning that. Like, where are the parents? Why are they all living in this one house? Why don't they live at their homes? Because it's not like a kind of like boarding house situation like Xavier has. There's like no adults there. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, none of them are are 18. No. Yeah. You're all in high school. You might be right that none of them are are 18. I I don't know. I don't know. That was just kind of what I thought. I mean, you know, money is like a parent when you have enough (laughs) of it. Pietro and the the rest of them, they, they all like see this check and they're all like trying to grab it from <laughs> Lance. It was funny. And Pietro is like, I have an idea. He's like, if we can make 10 grand off of that, think of how much money we can make. This could be like our whole career, guys. And Toad's like, but accidents like that don't happen every day. <laughs> and then Pietro said they do if they have a little help. So this is like, this is like a big cliche of a plot. It's a big cliche I of a plot. No, it, but it, don't no, care. It, no, it, I love it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying because you know exactly where this is going now. Um, oh, I, I enjoyed knew it. Where, I knew exactly where it was going when the subway crashed. Yeah. And they started helping. So so the Brotherhood go around creating these uh, like life-threatening situations, obviously just to rescue them people themselves Pietro and lance go to this building with a big gargoyle on top knock it off blob catches it and saves everybody on the street this was my favorite one yeah it was this great was my favorite one by far it was great pete because i love bees and i don't <laughs> like children <laughs> so pietro had a baseball bat and he knocked a bee's nest at some kids playing soccer and it was like only two kids to at least go to like a big soccer game or something I don't know. I feel like the stakes weren't that high. What are they going to do? Be like, oh, mommy, this mutant saved me. He ate some bees. Well, I mean, okay, so I felt bad for the bees. Oh, and let me say that uh, Toad toad ate them. Toad ate the bees. But we don't know if they're bees or wasps. If they're wasps, Jonathan, wasps are awful. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Patty, I have saved multiple wasps at my job. Jonathan, how many times have you gotten stung by wasps? Uh, Zero. Because I've gotten stung by them a lot, and it fucking hurts all right listen listen okay they so, are vindictive listen. they will go after you to hurt you okay but I, but they have never gone after me to hurt me because they know that i'm well, going to save them well you never played outside when you were a kid okay I, what the, excuse me <laughs> i played outside for years before you were even alive sure. all right anyway so so here's here's the thing there was a, a short period of time where we had gotten a couple of wasps in the office they never came after me to hurt me they never did anything and I didn't want to try to kill them, so I caught them. I caught and I released. I released them back outside. I love all bees and every bee in the bee family, even wasps. You know why I love wasps? Wasps eat spiders. Wasps are my fucking allies because I fucking hate spiders. Now, I don't, feel like spiders can eat wasps too. Don't tell me that oh, spiders are good. They're going to catch the flies. No, 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 no. A cat can catch a fly, okay? You, it's not good for them. You... You tell me whether I would rather have a cat or a spider catch the fly. I'll have a cat do it. I'll have another bug do it. Uh, Venus fly traps, uh, praying mantises. Yeah, how common are those? They all eat the flies of the world, Where? Patty. I'm not just, listen, I'm thinking about more than just New Jersey. How many I'm, praying I'm, mantises have you seen in your life? A whole bunch, to be, have you? To be honest. I've never I have. seen one. I've seen a whole bunch in my life. 
And so here's the thing. I'm not just thinking about me, Jonathan. I'm thinking about the rest of the world, okay? There are Venus flytraps. Oh, my God. And there are, are Those are also menses, not common. Whatever. Those common. Cats. All these things. Tigers. Oh, yeah. They're tigers all... always chasing always chasing flies. You're not a tiger expert. Don't talk down to me. <sighs> all right? So the thing is, is my, my point is, is spiders are my enemies. Wasps eat spiders, therefore wasps are my allies. I hate wasps so much, <laughs> I would rather take spiders over wasps. So, all right, back I'm very to sorry the show. to, to bring all, all this up, but still, still, fucking Toad eating the poor bees who got caught up in the drama made the headline of, of the fucking paper. Have you seen all those pictures of the dogs <laughs> who tried eating bees or wasps or whatever, Aww. and they get, they get like a big, big face? Aww. It was really cute and sad. They that call is sad. them like spicy sky raisins. No. Oh, those poor so, puppies. So imagine if that happened to Toad. I don't want that. Well, That'd that, be oh, funny. That would be funny. But still, I want the dogs and the bees to be okay. They can coexist. It's fine. Anyway, so Lance tears up uh, a road. There's buses driving. And, you know, the bus goes out of control, almost hits a woman with her baby. Pietro saves them. But. You know, here's the downside to what they're doing. The the bus is still out of control and almost hits two guys just, like, on the sidewalk. And Blob catches the bus, like, just in the nick of time. And, you know, the X-Men are angry. Scott Optic blasts the newspaper. Kurt reads in the newspaper that the Brotherhood have a higher approval rating than the police chief. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, which, to be honest, no matter what the Brotherhood are doing, I rate them higher than the police chief. Yes. But in any case... Even Xavier, at this point, is like, you know, he has to admit that... How can they always be in the right place at the right time? Exactly. It's too convenient. And, you know, Scott says something is bound to go wrong. And so, obviously, the X-Men are going to have to step in and, and, and stop them. So, anyway, uh, Kelly is on the radio talking about the Mutant Registration Act. The Brotherhood decide to go to his headquarters and trash it and threaten him. And the X-Men show up. And it's not like just the core team. It's literally everybody. New Mutants, Logan, all of them are there. And it's hilarious because Lance Lance is about to attack them. Pietro is like, are you kidding? We're going to get our heads handed to us. And they go to leave. Toad sticks his tongue out and Gene telekinetically closes the door on his tongue. <laughs> and that was funny. But so, and here, here's the thing. And, and this goes back to what you said before about like Jameson and how, you know, Kitty saved Kelly's life in that one episode. Because the X-Men just sa- just saved Kelly's life. And he-, he says, one way or another, Summers, I will drive you mutants out of Bayville. All of you. And that's a promise. It's really fucking gross. And now at this point, uh, Pietro notices that the Brotherhood, they're not making the front page anymore. They've been bumped to the third page in the paper. And Blob is like, oh, the- we have to remind the public how much they need us. And... Pietro tries to manipulate Wanda into helping and, and managed to actually manipulate her into helping. I was really upset. I really was hoping that Wanda was going to be the smart one. Um, so it, it was upsetting to see this. Now, it's not just about making the Brotherhood look good. It's about making the X-Men look bad. So when the Brotherhood are cutting a ribbon at the local zoo and the X-Men are there, Wanda is in the background and causes Scott's visor to come off. <laughs> uh, Bobby freezes the ground, and now animals are getting loose. Kitty gets thrown in with the crocodiles. And she couldn't phase out. She couldn't phase out uh, because of Wanda's power. Yeah, so elephants and tigers are on the loose everywhere, oh almost stomp, 
almost stomping on people. And so the X-Men go to jail. <laughs> and this, um, this was funny. They, yeah. even, even just saying that the X-Men go to jail. You see That was hilarious. You see uh it it cuts to Scott's face and the, the bars closing in front of him, and Kitty phases out of the cell and sticks her tongue out at the cop, and Xavier <laughs> rolls up and tells her to stay put. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? She's like, they can't keep us in here. And he's like, I know, but you have to. Oh my god. For I PR just, sake. Oh, Jesus Christ. It I was, couldn't believe that. It was really funny, though. It, it, and, it was, um, I really enjoyed seeing Scott in jail. Patty, I knew this was going to happen. I screenshotted the bars in front of Scott's face Thank because you. I knew how much you were going to love it. But, you know, the Brotherhood at this point are getting tired of this charade, right? But Pietro says, if we're going to stop, let's go out with a bang. And so the Brotherhood... And Toad was like, let's just get out while we're ahead. Yeah. But the, the Brotherhood roll up to the train tracks. A final act of heroism this town will never forget, right? So Pietro rushes in, shorts out the controls in the in the engine, and so the engineer says that they're a runaway, right? And so this this freight train is on the same track as another train carrying eight tankers of gas, and they're headed for each other. So I thought it was weird, and I didn't think about it until right now, hmm. that the first thing that they helped with was a train. A train issue. And now we're ending with a train issue. Oh, yeah. You're right. I didn't even realize that either. Yeah. Um, the first one was a subway, but it's still a train. It's just an underground yeah. train. No, that's that's interesting. So the Brotherhood get out of their, out of their Jeep, and they're going to go help. They're talking about the train. Some dude is in his car, and it's like, yeah, but what about the other train heading right for it? <laughs> and Pietro was like... Well, we had a good run while it lasted. <laughs> he, he, him and Blob and Toad get back in the truck and just leave. They just fucking leave. And Lance is like standing there like, what? And so the cops let the X-Men out, hoping that they can help. Xavier fills them in on what's happening with the train situation. And so so Scott blasts a coupling between the engine and the passenger cars of the runaway train. And Kitty is riding on top of the engine. Gene flies down the tracks and tries to telekinetically stop the freight train carrying all the gas, and she manages to. It was a really cool scene seeing her like floating backwards in front of it as she slows it down and stops it. Um, and then, you know, Gene turns to stop the engine. So, okay, this was upsetting, though. So Gene stopped the one train, but she couldn't stop the other? She was too tired? That was That was kind of upsetting. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. She's still a teenager, um, and we have seen the control over her powers grow a bit over the course of the show. Like I remember in season one when they were at that camp and Spike fell off a cliff and she was like struggling to pull him yeah, up. Yeah, that was bullshit. And now, but it sort of makes sense in context of the show. Now she can stop a fucking train. Uh, but it was still upsetting to see that she couldn't stop both. Um, but even more upsetting than that was, was Kitty because so Kurt gets on top of the of the train with Kitty, and it's like, what are you doing? And Kitty's like, I'm going to phase this one through that one. And I'm like, sweet. It's sort of a mini bullet situation. Yeah. And, and it's great. It's working. But, you know, again, teenage Kitty doesn't have this much experience. Well, trains are big yeah. in, her, in her defense. Trains are a hard thing to keep phased. Uh, and also Gene's defense. Going off the rails in a crazy uh, train. Yeah. So it's it's working for Kitty and until it stops working. Um and you know now the one train is phased inside the other one and there's a big explosion 
and Jean is trying her best to contain it. Again, she's still tired and the explosion is growing, but at least it's not immediate. And it's around like these apartment complexes. These people are clearly in danger, but then Lance shows up and Lance makes a big hole. (laughs) The trains fall in. And so the explosion kind of decreases and he makes the rocks form around the explosion and the trains. Um, And so the X-Men confront him and he's like, don't worry. That's the last of the heroics. And so on the news, it says the charges against the X-Men have been dropped and there's an investigation opened into the Brotherhood. And so you see all these guys taking away all the, the new fancy stuff in the Brotherhood house. Toad cries as the big screen TV is being carried away. And then Quicksilver asks them if they want to take the, the new subway into the city. And everybody gives him a dirty look. And then from outside, you hear him screaming while everything starts shaking and blasting. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah, so Lance is getting the house back to how it was before. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so this was this episode was a lot of fun. It was really enjoyable. But also, this to me, speaks to the power of the media and how the media portrays certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I loved this episode. This was one of my favorite episodes. I feel like all of the episodes focusing on the Brotherhood are my favorite episodes. So yeah, I thought that it was really good. I loved, like, I know I know you said it was cliche, and yeah, I feel like I've seen this kind of thing before, but... Yeah. I, I just really enjoyed it. I felt like it was so much fun. It it had really funny parts. Um, Just like, I feel like this really like cemented the idea that Lance really is a good guy after all. It was <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he was doing, he was doing stupid shit to get money or whatever. But at the end, when all the other Brotherhood members just ran off and said, well, fuck it. We can't do anything now. Uh, he stayed and saw if he could help with anything, you know, and he was the one that ultimately saved the day. So I really like seeing shit like that, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's interesting when, you know, villains do heroic things and heroes do villainous things. It, it is really interesting. It's something I've always liked. And it's something that's yeah. happened a lot over the years in the X-Men. And so that's that's why I'm I'm a fan of it. You know, Lance, aside from a couple of very unfortunate moments early on, is very likable, in my opinion, in this show. And obviously, we've seen him try to be a hero before. And you even had these moments here in this episode that really highlighted that he's a good a good guy, like a good bad guy, as opposed to Pietro, who's a bad, bad guy. Um, and so that's, that's an interesting contrast. And and yeah, I you know, I, I agree with you. Um, and, I, you know, I say it's a trope and it's, it's a cliche. But that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It's just, you see this kind of thing in, in, in lots of shows where there are heroes and villains. That'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings Evolution. Thanks for joining us. And remember to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. Join us for episode 19 in two weeks when we discuss Target X and Sins of the Sun. And until then... The Brotherhood was right. Patty, no. Patty, yes. <laughs>